following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, I thank you for every, every heart that's here today. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a, a masterful work in us. And we know that you are good. Your seed is good. It's our soil that's the problem. And so, Lord, um, I pray that you'd find us um, ready to embrace, to yield. Uh, would you pluck out the, the stones in us, the hard things that get in the way of putting your word into practice? Would, would, uh, would you help us to see the that the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the pursuit of pleasure choke out the great potential of your word to make us fruitful and, uh, and, to, and to, to fulfill the purpose that you designed and created. Oh, we, we, we know that you're the vine dresser, the gardener. The, we know that you will cultivate our hearts through life's experiences in order that your word would find fertile soil. So Lord, I pray that today's word would find fertile soil, that this good seed would be planted in us and that it would come to fruition in an expression of, of worship and gratitude and thanksgiving and obedience, a submission to the mission, Lord, that we would want your way above ours, that we would want your will and word to have uh, first place and to have the great expression of our lives. And, um, and Lord, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, that it would be pleasing in your sight for you alone are our rock and our redeemer, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to get started uh, reading our text from Luke. I want to give us a little bit of context again, which will remind us of some of the sermons we've been in recently. Uh, today's uh, title is Submission to the Mission, or to God's Mission specifically. And let's remember that what's going on here is uh, Jesus has celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. He's washed their feet and, uh, and in the midst of that, they were arguing about who's the greatest, right? Uh, at, this, at this last supper, which was a Passover celebration. And what is Passover? Passover is, a, is, a, is, is, a, is the Jews, is God's festival, almost pinnacle festival to remind us or remind them, you know, of God's faithfulness and his deliverance from slavery and bondage to community and his presence. And, uh, and here they are celebrating uh, you know, God's deliverance, the Lamb of God, you know, the sacrificial Lamb of God uh, and all of that. And, and at the same time, Jesus is saying that he, he eagerly desired to celebrate this, the last Passover with you, so that I could show you the full extent of my love as I go to the cross. And in the midst of that meal, he tells them that one of them is going to betray him and, uh, and, and actually tells Judas that it's him and told him to go and do what he was going to do quickly. And so Jesus, J Judas leaves the room. The disciples don't even have a clue what's going on. That's pretty typical. And uh, unfortunately at this point. And so, so they, uh, but they leave the upper room after being told this as well. That Peter specifically was going to deny him. Right? This is the beginning of this, of this, this, this evening uh, and this meal. And in hours from now, Judas is going to march into 
the garden, which would, it was a common gathering place for the disciples when they were in Jerusalem. He's going to march into there with, with, with a crowd of people, right, carrying clubs and swords and lanterns with the objective to arrest Jesus, hoping to, you know, filled with, unfortunately, the enemy's agenda. And, um, and he was called for this purpose in God's providence. Uh, but you can, I just, I say all that because I want you to kind of, kind of maybe, maybe join the, the disciples in this moment and all that they're going. Can you imagine? It says that they were exhausted from sorrow in our text. You know, they, they've been, Jesus has told them that he's going to be crucified. So somehow Rome is going to get involved in his demise and, and they don't understand those details. He's talked about some of the things that are going to happen, but betrayal and denial and all of this. Can you imagine how they're feeling? Like, like wh- wh- where's this going? And, um, and so that we can take that in. Now here's a challenge for you. And I pr- you know, we're not able to really uh, to, to, to walk through all of the moments of, of this night that we're in right now, uh, that culminates with Christ's arrest. Um, but, but what I'm going to challenge you to do this week, if you, if you read John 14, you can start in 13, that's where Jesus washes their feet, but if, if you read in John 14 to 17, there is some dialogue that happens as he makes his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. There are things that he tells them about the Holy Spirit and about abiding in him. And he has this glorious, what we call the high priestly prayer, um, where he just asks God that, that, that we would be one as they are one. And there's so much content that we would love one another uh, so that, that the world might know. Like there's so much. But please take time this week to read chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 in the Gospel of John because this is what Jesus is talking about as they make their way uh, up to the Mount of Olives, specifically to the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, Luke picks up there, and, uh, and this is what he says uh, in verses 39 to 46. And he came out, he being Jesus, out being Jerusalem, and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. That's unique to Luke that we see this particular moment. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from heaven... He came to the, excuse me, when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now we know that Luke took eyewitness account. He was not in the garden, right? He was picked up uh, during Paul's second missionary journey. 
um, and began to write uh, the gospel. He was the author of the Gospel of Acts or the book of the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And this account that was written for most excellent Theophilus. But he went to painstaking effort in order to get eyewitness accounts. But Matthew, on the other hand, was there. Right. Matthew was there. And when you compare Matthew and Mark's in, in many cases, they're 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 very, very similar. Um, Mark, most believe being Peter's scribe in this particular gospel, but 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 very similar here. And so I want to read for you the, the Matthew account of this moment, because some of the details are beautiful and we'll reference them throughout the message this morning. So Matthew 26, 36 to 46 says this. Then Jesus went with them to a place called, it's the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking with him, see some nuance here, taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Who are the two sons of Zebedee? John and James, the sons of thunder, right? And he began to be, Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here, Peter, James, and John, and watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, speaking of the three, and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And I just, I, I read right to that point because I want us to understand like, like what's happening here? Like one of the 12 disciples, Judas is showing up at the tail end of this moment after Jesus has been praying in submission to the Father and, and he's coming with, you know, lanterns and clubs and swords. I mean, they're, they're, they're showing, I mean, why would you show up with that stuff? You're anticipating what? A fight, Right? And uh, Mark says it this way in chapter 14, 43. It says, and immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with, the, with, a, crowd, uh, with a crowd with swords and clubs from the, priest, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. So let's break down this text together because guys, I, I, just, I just hope you're ready because this is so good. There's so many practical pieces here that literally will walk us into the opportunity to be victorious in temptation, which man, if we can be victorious in temptation, our walk with Jesus is going to be, is going to be strengthened significantly. Right. And 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 so pr please pay attention. There's so much good content here. So we pick up in verse thirty nine and it starts like this. He came out. Where did he come out of? 
Jerusalem, right? And he went. Now, it's, it's really fascinating. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, there's so much, like, oh, man, whenever I prepare, it's like, it's like I have to filter it down to 10%. So maybe get 15 in because there's just, but you know, we can only get in so much on Sunday mornings. I, you know, it's just, I mean, Paul, he preached till midnight, right? Boys are falling out of the window and then he goes and raises them up. And then you know what he did after that, after midnight, he went back to preaching. Like, so like, let's go, right? Like, but like, but I just can't get into all these details, but I want you to look into these things because I want you to be students of the word and, and discover these things for yourself. So write down 2 Samuel 15 because like what happens in 2 Samuel 15 is David, is his son Absalom is trying to kill him for the throne, right? And David t- said, leaves Jerusalem and goes to the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Brook or the Kidron Valley. And, and his closest friends go with him. They follow him. It's a king that's being rejected, right? Going off. And you see the parallel? Like, it's incredible. One of the interesting things, if you really dig into this, you'll find that there, there was, a, there was a, an escape route that was developed from the Mount of Olives to get back to Jerusalem without being found. And what's crazy when you think about that, and you can find it for yourself as you dig through this, is that Jesus knew that and could have, I mean, not that he needed an escape route, but like he could, have, he could have just shut this down at any point. He could have avoided, but, but he embraced this moment. I mean, when they show up to arrest him, he says, hey, um, he had to remind them, whoa, 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 I'm right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm the guy, come get. And the moment he says, I'm, uh, I am, Jesus they all fall back on the ground, right? I mean, but they're looking for a fight and Jesus isn't fighting the Father's will. And it's, that's just fascinating. But, but he came out of Jerusalem, he went across the Kidron Brook, um, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And this leaps off the page for me. And the disciples followed him. Now, let's remember they're not filled with the Spirit yet. So, you know, they're, they're weak, they're frail, they're walking in their humanity. But let's remember the context that I've just built for us moments ago. Like, the, it says that they're sorrowful. They're, they're overwhelmed. They're scared. They, they've been told that Peter's going to deny, someone's going to betray him, like Jesus has told them over and over again, and just recently that he's going to his death right? But he'll rise again. Like, I mean, all of this, you can imagine like what's going, and what I love is they follow him. They're going. They're, they're, they're following. And I know Peter said recently, he said, you know, where else can we go? You have the words to eternal life. Like, I'm not going anywhere, but, but like they're following him down a path that when, when, when it's been described to them, especially recently, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be, in fact, he's actually said it's a path that leads to failure in some regard. Loss. And I love it says the disciples followed him. See, this was their gathering place. This, is, this, this garden moment or place is where they would gather together. They would meet up. This is where Jesus, they would oftentimes sleep. They followed him not sure of the outcome. How about you? He has discussed betrayal, denial, death. It seems this path, path is full of failure. It seems. Yet they follow. They're exhausted and confused. Yet they, they follow. They're overwhelmed and afraid. 
yet they follow. Guys, what about you? I mean, what about those moments where, where you're just, you're overwhelmed, you're, you're, you're afraid, you're, you, 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 it just perceived loss in the future or failure has been, has been declared. Like, I mean, in that moment, do you, do you follow? Do you follow him? Because I believe that that's, that's critical. That, that's, that's, that makes a statement. That's, that's, uh, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Like, when temptation comes, follow him. Follow him. Stay close. Follow him, not your feelings. Not what your, your sin nature wants to do, which is, is to run and hide and fight and flee and freeze. Like, walk by faith and not by sight. And what that means is, in a practical sense, is follow him. And what it means really practically is do what he did. Like, walk in his word. Walk in his will. Because it's not going to be the easy path, I promise you. But it'll be the better one. It'll be the fruitful path, for sure. Resist the temptation to give up or to give in. Because do you believe for a moment that, that that's the voice the enemy is, is calling? That's the, that's the objective he wants is you to give up or give in. And let me, let me, let me be very clear. That's where he's at. Which, that's what he's trying to get Jesus to do. It didn't, it didn't stop after his time in the desert with the enemy. Do you remember, do you remember the scene in Luke 4 and Matthew 4? You know, Jesus is in the desert. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's, I don't know, I'm speculating here maybe. He's hungry, you know, like first temptation, he says, hey, uh, why not turn these, uh, these stones to bread? You know, like, like in other words, like he's tempting him, right, to satisfy his sinful, his nature, his desires, right? And Jesus says, man, I'm not, I, even if what you say sounds good and, and is, you know, makes sense even, I'm not doing anything that you said, right? Because you know what? God says this, man does, not eat, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the other two temptations, and we can't get too far into this, but, but it's interesting that, you know, he tries to get him to circumvent the cross. Hey, look like, worship me, right? And, and I'll give you all this. And it's a lie. Do you know he lies? He's the father of lies. His promises never come to fruition. He's always trying to give you a shortcut and, and for Jesus, the, the shortcut was, hey, listen, throw yourself down from here, right? And, and won't the angels protect you and lift you up, right? Like, you don't want to go to a cross. You know, just, just, just take your life here. And this is kind of what, just, just to be very honest here, like suicide, like the enemy has a voice there. And it's really, it's a, it's a statement of, man, you don't want to walk this path. This, just, this, is, this is way easy. Just, just give up. Just give in. Steal, kill, destroy. Looking to devour, right? And, and, and Jesus is about to go into the, to, remember at the end of Luke, what it says at the end of the temptations? Like Jesus, you know, how does he, how does he fight the enemy in the desert? With the sword of the spirit, right? He quotes the word of God. Right? But he doesn't get into dialogue. He doesn't get into conversation. It's not like the Garden of Eden. He's just like resisting the devil. And, and then, then what it says, the very last verse, and I think it's verse 13, it says, and the devil 
left him for another opportune time. I think this is the other opportune. I'm sure there were many, but this truly is the another opportune time where he's feeling the weight of the cup of wrath that he's going to drink to the bottom. He's feeling all of the, the he, you know, he knows to the detail all the pain and agony, not just physical. I don't know, if you were betrayed by a, a close friend and denied by one of your closest, would that not have emotional? And I don't know about you, but for me, oftentimes emotional stuff is way more exhausting than even physical stuff. And when all of that is going on at the same time, that's an, that, the enemy sees that as an opportune time to, to offer some solutions and opportunities. But can I tell you this? He's a defeated foe for one. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. But please hear this. All he can do is suggest. He can't force you into anything. God is faithful. He will always pr provide a way out. Right? And his word is that way out. Prayer is the, is, is the posture to, to be reminded of the way out. But he, he has this agenda of give up, give in. Jesus knew Judas was coming. We see that at the end here. He knew that, that this was all about to take place. Right? And, and, and he's asking the disciples to pray that they might not enter into temptation. Right? And, and that is for their benefit, right? For sure. But he's also asking them to watch with him, which is a form of like, like pray with me. Let's go to the next verse. The next verse is verse 40, and it says, And when he came to the place, now the place is Gethsemane. Now, I love this. I did a research. I'm sure you've done research on words that you don't, you're not familiar with. Do you know what Gethsemane means? Okay, so first of all, it's the mount of what? So this is an olive grove. Do you know what the word Gethsemane means? Thank you. Very good, Leilani. She, see, she was at get ready. So like, um, so like, here's the thing, olive press. Now you might say, oh, that's kind of cool, but what, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. What, what comes out of an olive when you press it? What was oil used in, in the Old Testament for? To anoint a king, right? What is the symbol of, of, olive, of, of the oil in the New Testament and, and even in the Old Testament? The Holy Spirit. Jesus is about to be pressed and what's going to come out is he's king and he's going to pour out his spirit. Right? And, and he's doing all of that in this context. Let's not let that get lost on us. Like, how beautiful that is. And so, he said to them, now the them here, if you read it in context and understand what he says later, that's, he's gone back to James, John, and Peter. The other eight, he's, he left sitting further off, encouraging them to pray. And then he gets about, he gets further on into the garden, leaves the three, and then he goes, a this is the average distance a person would throw a stone. So he's within earshot, but he's, he's gone off by himself with his father. Does he ever do that? Does he ever go off with him by himself with the father? A lot, often, right? And so he goes off to spend some time with the Lord, with the father in prayer. It says, when he came to the place, uh, he said to them, now this is interesting, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, 
one of the things that's clear in his statement, like this is the this is God this is God Himself telling us very critical information. He's saying, "Pray that you might not enter into temptation." How do we how do we avoid entering into temptation? What do we do? Pray, like like I don't know when you're facing temptation. How often is 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 that a, a an invitation to be thrusted to your knees and cry out to the one that 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 will bring the deliverance, that will bring the the direction, that will bring that will overcome our our our, our desires with His, right? So He gives that. But 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 my question here was what temptation, right? Like so He's saying pray that you the three of them, won't enter into temptation. So in, in thinking through that, I thought the temptation to fear, to doubt, to fight, to run, to hide. What's interesting, I'm not, we're not even finished the list yet, and they did all of it. And, and the sad thing is, when they, when they were told to, to not sleep but to pray, they slept. Right, rather than prayed, and, and then the very things that they were tempted to do, which was to be afraid and to doubt and to run and to hide and to fight, which was not. See, isn't that in our nature? To fight, to flight, or to freeze, right? And, and in those moments, what we're called to is faith. It's a whole different focus or F. Like it's, it's to, it's to walk by faith and not by sight. Not to give in to the human tendency, right? And, uh, and that's where we need to get on our knees and pray. Um, I, I love in, in class, Leilani said, um, the other thing they, were, they would be tempted to do is to go back to sleep. Which they, the very thing they did, right? But, but when you think about it in a spiritual context, like when Jesus talks about sleep, it's like, it's like spiritual apathy. It's like, you know, just going through the motions and not having the vigor of following Christ and resolve. And, and there is a tendency there. Uh, does the enemy want that? Yeah, of course. And so he tells them here, and I think, man, please take this away this morning. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. What a gift from, from God. What a, what, a, what a word from the Lord. The temptation is to give up and to give in. And our challenge, as it says in James 4, 7, and 8, is to resist. To simply resist. And as Ephesians 6 says, so that we might stand so that we might not fall, right, to the temptation. Prayer is the antidote to temptation. We enter into temptation when we fail to pray. Are you praying without ceasing? You know, I, I didn't even realize this until this morning. So oftentimes, especially on Saturday nights, I don't, it just, it is what it is, especially on Saturday nights, the Lord wakes me up and just like, preaches this the sermon to me and often it has a ton of more content and you know and saturday night you know and uh and last night i was woken up at 109 i have a big clock like that in the room 109 140 uh 422 and 533 and you know it didn't dawn on me till this morning that i'm like hey i was awoken three times I'm just like, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting when he woke them up, what did he want them to do? 
Guys, you ever been waking, awakened in the middle of the night? You know, as we get older, our bladders might have an influence there. But like what I'm saying is, is that, man, I, I'm constantly like woken up in the middle of the night. And one of the things the Lord has taught me is like, this is, an, this, this is just his, hey, I've got something I want to tell you. And it reminds me of like, remember Samuel when he was little? And, uh, and he thinks Eli's calling his name. And, uh, and he goes in, yes, yeah, you called me? And he said, I, go back to sleep. I didn't call you. And remember, this is three times as well. And then he, he goes back, okay, I'll go back to sleep. Why are you so mad? Gosh. You know, like, and he, and he comes back again. He says, yeah, you called me? And he says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Well, when he comes in the third time, he goes, oh, I know what's happening. Because, because Eli has experience, right? He, but it dawned on him. But in the middle of the night, he didn't. Re- but like, that's the Lord. He said, this is what you're to do. He says, when you're awoken again, and he calls him by name. Like, when you're awoken again, he says, say this, speak, Lord, your servant is what? Like, can I challenge you to that posture anytime that you're awakened in the night? Because, you know, that's when things are quiet and still. Maybe even our hearts and minds. Maybe not. Maybe they're anxious and, they're, and God wants to speak rest. But, like, that is, the, that is the context here. And that's not unique we, as described. Like, it's a golden opportunity and we believe that God's word is actually calling us to this discipline. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. Right? That, that when, you're awoke, when you're awakened in those moments, that those opportunities there. So prayer is the antidote to temptation. Our enemy looks for an opportune time, always. He's looking for a place uh, where we're, we're susceptible because we're emotionally distraught, we're, we're riddled with con- concerns or anxiety or worry. And, and does, 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 is sleep fleeting in those moments at times? And he wants to, 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 to speak peace, be still into the moments uh, where we need him. And, and oftentimes in the temptation there, God wants us to rest in him. And that's different than sleep. We are reminded of this in the Lord's Prayer too, as far as the temptation's concerned. You know, it's interesting that Jesus said, when you pray, pray this. Um, and, and this is what he said. Remember the latter part of that prayer. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? Like that's, that's part of what Jesus says we should be praying that, 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 that we should be in those moments asking the Lord to lead us not into temptation and to deliver us from the evil one. We don't overcome temptation in our strength, but his, right? And prayer is a posture that declares that I can't, but you can. And I'm depending on you to walk me through this and carry me home. And so verse 20, uh, 41 and 42 continues and it says, and he withdrew from them, him being Jesus, about a stone's throw and knelt down. I think that's interesting. He knelt down, right? Like there's a posture here that he, you know, of submission, of reverence. Um, it's a prayerful posture that he models for us and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing if it's your will, if this is what you want, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, 
but yours be done. Now, of course, this is the heart of our passage today, but it's just so interesting to me. There's so many nuance here that we have to unpack. First of all, I don't know if you saw this, but like, why didn't he grab the three guys and go, hey, let's have a prayer meeting. Let's, come on, let's get together here and let's pray. He, he leaves the three guys, calls them to prayer, and goes off and prays by himself. And when we, when we see his counsel on prayer in, in, in Matthew 6, he says, go into your prayer closet and, and pray in secret where your father sees you and, and there's no pretense. And, and, and then we see in his modeling, what does he do? He seems to go off by himself very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the place, went, left the house and went to a solitary place where he what? It says where he prayed. He climbed mountains and sent them off on boats over and over again. Like he goes off by himself. Now, guys, this is not isolation. This is solitude. This is time to, to be with the Father, to, 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 to get divine direction, we see, but also to, to hear from the Father and be fortified and encouraged. And so I have to ask you, are, are you, are you finding time to, 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 to be alone with the Lord in prayer? Like often, like maybe without ceasing, we're told. When life gets hard, do you withdraw in prayer? Some resort to drinking and drugs. In my opinion, giving in to the temptation in that moment rather than reaching out to the solution. Some, some retreat to technology, honestly. Movies, technology, getting on their phone. Amusement. Do you know what amusement is? It's the op- opposite of muse. To muse is to think, to entertain, to, to contemplate to meditate. Amusement is to not think. That's why we call it an amusement park, right? Like, um, or, or Sheba said, like, when we were talking about this, like, or some, some people default to busyness. They just get busy because they don't want to think about it. They, they think they, they want to overcome the, the, you know, by, by just a, 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 a cluttered schedule. But we're called to pray, to withdraw in prayer. Jesus withdraws with his father, that's his model, his example to us. It's interesting that he did this alone, as I said. He was an example to us in everything. And, and the challenge for us is to develop a pattern of prayer in our life, a consistent conversation with the Lord that never ends, but that continues to, to walk through and have this, this glorious um, dialogue with the Lord. And I say dialogue and not monologue because we need to have a posture where we listen to where we listen to the Lord. He knelt down, and I love what, you know, I talked about like that posture, but in Matthew it says he fell on his face. He fell on his face before the Father. I mean, again, in, in, in perfection himself showing us like maybe the posture of prayer and, and, and maybe the, 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 the way that we are to, to humble ourselves before this glorious God, and, and especially when it comes to his way over ours. He says, Abba, if you are willing. I mean, this is his submission to the mission right here. Like, the, it, it's, it's, it's more about what you want than I want here. I'm, I'm, I'm saying not me, but you. Not what I want, but what you want. Like, that's what he's declaring in this moment. And the other thing that we see here, which I really feel like leaps off the, the page, is what cup? Remember what he says here? This is what he says. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Now, I know that our church family knows. What, what is this cup? 
What's he talking about? He didn't bring his water bottle with him. Like this is, this is symbolic. This is, but this is, this is rich with, with, with illustration in the Old Testament. It's the cup of what? Wrath. Right? This was, this was the punishment that was due humanity's sin. It was, and it was in total. Let me be very clear with the scriptures declare here. Is saint or sinner, like Jesus died for the sins of the whole entire world. Now, not everybody will benefit from that because they, they won't trust him and they won't receive him. And, and by rejecting him, their name will be stricken from the Lamb's book. This is the saddest thing that we could ever hear, that God offers rescue to everyone, but not everyone will trust him and receive and, 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 and reach out in faith uh, and believe in his promise, right? But, but, but Jesus is willing to drink it to the dregs. He's willing to, and, and, and we, clearly what he's saying, like, I don't, let, 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 me, let me unpack this for a moment. What if you were in Jesus' shoes, knowing that you're going to betrayal, denial, beard ripped from your face, bag over your face, and punched, you're going to be mocked, ridiculed, you're going to be crucified in the most excruciating way that man could come up with at the time. You're going to go through all of that. You're going to experience all the wrath that man's sin deserved in total is going to be poured out on you. Emotionally, physically, all of it. You're going to, like, would, would, your, would your humanity kind of, kind of resist that moment a little bit? And let's remember, he was fully man. He was, he was son of man, son of God. And in this moment, he is, he is saying, man, my, I can feel the resistance to all of that. But what I want more than that is your will to be done here. And guys, is that not relatable? Like when, when we are facing things that, that bring fear and doubt and intrepidation and pain and loss like that when that's on the horizon, like you, you don't feel any sort of resistance. You, like our flesh doesn't want to suffer. Who does? Like we don't want to go through pain. But if that pain has the father's will on it, because we know our father's heart that, that he is doing things that are glorious, then Jesus says, then I forsake my will so I can fully embrace your will. So I, I, want to, um, I want to share with you, as we try to unpack what this cup of wrath is, I have two verses from Isaiah, just, so that, just in case you don't, you're not buying that that's what he's talking about here. This is what it says in Isaiah 51. This is in Jeremiah 25, if you're taking notes. This is in Psalm 75, 8, and that's not the only psalm, but I, I think it's clear here in Isaiah 51, 17 and 22, and this is what it says. Wake yourself. And he's talking to the nation of Israel as a prophet. Wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. Who, ha who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. He's making an illustration to alcohol, but he's saying that this is, this is, this is a staggering like experience to drink in the consequence of your sin. But then in five verses later, he says this, thus says the Lord. The Lord, the God who pleads the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath. You shall not drink no more. And so we see the mercy of God. 
and that Jesus came like, like, I mean, rejected, like he was God and he embraced taking a cup all because he was submitted to the Father's will. You know, one of the examples that's here that we have to see is, are you doing your will or his will? Are you, are, are, I mean, are you, because I so often, in, and I'm, I'm so guilty myself, it's just like, like I'm aware of what I want. I'm so aware of my desires. But are we aware of the Father's desire in the same circumstances and moments of our life? And are we willing to take the narrow, ro- the wide, or the, ro- the, the narrow road that's hard? Are we willing to submit our will to his will? I mean, is it harder to forgive sometimes than it is just to blow them off? You know, is it harder to love somebody than it is sometimes when your flesh just wants to not love them? Because I don't like that other four-letter word. Like, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like this, like, do we do, we, do, we, do, we do his desire? Counting on his spirit to see it to fruition? Because Jesus, Jesus is knowing that, it, and, and I'm confident of this, like if we, if we walk his path, there's power in it. There's power to, and the truth is that's going to happen. That, that's going to happen. But if we're, doing, if we're tr- trying to do our desires, that's a, that's a destructive path. We're actually told in Romans 8 that you know, if you're controlled by the flesh, that leads to what? Death. Destruction, right? But for those that are filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, it leads to life and peace. So I'm going to tell you it's harder. Do you, you think that, that Jesus' path was hard here? But d- was it better? Was it better? You, you, hello, good morning. <laughs> do, I, do I have a witness out there? Like, I mean, like for the joy set before him, like, like we are, and, and, and look, you know, a lot of times, like, man, it's so relevant here. Like a lot of times it's, it might not be better for you, but it'll be better for others. Are you willing to take it so that others might thrive? Paul says, I fill up on my body what is lacking in the cross. Like he was willing to suffer for, for, for the church so that they would know Christ, so that they would experience his love and that it would be planted in their hearts and lives. Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. Guys, can I say that it's it's got to be not my will before it will ever be his will, right? We got to deny ourselves. Do you know what that means? It means to say no to me. Take up your cross daily. That means that there's some things that have to go. There's, there's part of us that has to die to make room for him. And, and then we will follow him. That can, that can actually be at odds of at, at following him when we're not denying ourselves because we're, what are we doing? In contrast, we're saying yes to me. I'm, I'm going to get, you know what I mean? Like we're fulfilling our desires rather than filling his desires in our life. Do you believe that this road is better? Can I ask you that this morning? Do you believe it's harder? Amen, right? But do you believe it's better? And why it's better is, this is the only reason, because it's him, because he's better, and he's good, and it's because he's faithful to his promises, and he's leading us us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Have you given up your will to embrace his? This is really, this is the road of salvation, it's where, you know, we die so that we can live in Christ for Christ. 
Like we, we, we forfeit, that's what baptism is, right? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live any longer? I'm crucified with Christ that I, Paul says. This is the only time you see Paul kind of almost in the personal pronoun. He, said, he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live, but Christ is living his life in me and through me. You know, that is, that is so refreshing and difficult at the same time. That's the blessed life. The first step is not my will. It's a state, it's a resistance. Can I tell you this this morning? Like based on James 4, 7, and 8, like we, we, this is what we're told. In, and, and, and let me, you know, the first six verses of this, uh, you know, this just dawned on me. The first six verses of that, that, this piece where he says, therefore, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But the first part of that says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not your own desires that are at war within you? <laughs> You're the problem, like in the conflict, right? And then what he says is, submit yourself to God. In other words, forfeit your desires and submit yourself to him. Resist the devil. Here's what I want you to hear, and I, I, hopefully you've already heard this. All the devil is, is he's a father of lies. He, look at him in the garden. He was just trying to deceive. That's what he's doing. And listen, he's better at it. I mean, he's been around a little longer, okay? Like he's done this before. Don't try to battle him in this. Just obey God's word and trust that it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the right way. Like, because he can't make you do anything, but he can be incredibly cunning and incredibly deceptive. His lies, actually, don't miss this, his lies solicit our desires. So he's got an ally within us, in our members, that goes, yeah. You remember in the garden? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, maybe God is holding it. Maybe God isn't good and he's holding out on us. Wait a second, let me look at this fruit. Ooh, that looked like it might taste good. Ooh, it's kind of pretty too. I mean, that's what we hear, right? And so rather than being, no way, I'm not even looking at that. I, I mean, they, they had added to the command, can't even touch it, right? So they had, they had kind of distanced themselves from this tree that, that God had said, don't go near. And now they're, they're kind of like, Maybe not. Maybe maybe God's the, the problem, not, you know. But all I'm saying is he can only solicit your nature through deception and lies. And I'm not saying they're not well thought through and convincing. They are. But the antidote is to pray and walk in obedience, submit to God's will and his word in that moment. You know, when you're tempted, don't, don't, don't sleep right? The first step is, is not my will. Resist. Question for you. Do you trust his will, his heart, his plan? Because if you don't, if the enemy's got a little foothold there, you might start looking and going, oh, it looks like it might taste good. It might feel good. You know, what's the harm? Like, we, we got all of these, these excuses to justify this, 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 narrow, this wide path. And God is calling us to get on our knees, to trust him, to call out for help, and to walk in his will and word, right? It won't be easy or obvious. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding because that'll fail you, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The Hebrew there is obvious. 
so that you can walk, right? Like, it is, please understand that the temptation is, is going to be counter nature and counterculture. Like, like, no, to walk in God's will will always be counter nature and counterculture. Like, it's always going to be at odds with, most of the time, with what you want, unless we're really listening to the Spirit and submitting to us. Like, and that's, that's, a, that's a glorious work of God. But, like, let's make sure that we're not entertaining the enemy's temptations and deceptions. Remember in the garden, I mean, in the, in the, the desert, Jesus, did, he just said, it is written, right? He fought in the sword of the Spirit. Like, he, it is written, it is written, it is written, depart from me. And we're told in James that if we, res- if we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil and he will flee, right? And it's rejecting his, his deceptions. But he, will, but he will, this is the great news about our God. He will share our path and his power. He will do that with us as we choose him in these moments. A um, couple of questions. When is the last time you said, literally said, your will be done. Lord, I surrender. Your, your will be done here. Not my will, but your will be done. Are you submitted to the mission of God? Are we asking God to bless our mess and our plans? Or are we submitted to his? Can we just pause for just a moment and pray about this? Because this is so critical to just the Christian life. Would you, pr- would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help us to, to yield our hearts, our plans, our lives, our thoughts, our ideals, our perspectives, our desires to you. So help us to delight in you that, that, so that you can give us the desires of our heart so that we can walk in your will and not ours. Help us to be men and women that, that when tempted, we get on our knees so that we won't enter in, so that we won't say yes or be deceived, but that we would have the strength to walk in your will. Lord, would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.